you have been watching anything, but I have been watching Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, the new... The new stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I like it. It's a lot different from the, like, 90s version that would do different segments and have, like, missing persons, strange incidents, yeah, you know, yeah. murder. This is all one case in each episode. And I've really liked it so far. The first episode is about Ray Rivera, the guy who, who had, like, gone through the roof at the Belvedere Hotel in Baltimore. I've listened to a few podcasts about that, so that was interesting to see. But, yeah, that's what I've been watching. Have you seen anything good? Did y'all finish Cobra Kai? No, because we haven't watched it since last weekend because I've been gone. I mean... We eat oh, dinner yeah. and then I'm back out the door. So we haven't, I have not watched anything, but my go-to is I watch Bob's Burgers when I go to bed every night. It's my fall asleep <laughs> show. <laughs> so. Well, we've done our usual Parks and Rec. We watch at least an episode or two of that every night. And then we've watched a little bit of the Oak Island show. Spoiler oh, yeah. alert, they have not found any treasure yet. So. Bummer. I don't think they ever do, to be honest <laughs> Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to That's So Original podcast, the podcast that talks to you about original streaming TV series and movies. And we are currently doing Ratchet on Netflix, and this is our episode two. So there is not going to be a little trailer for this episode, because if you want to hear it, you can go back and listen to episode one. It is right there for the taking. Instead, we are just going to, I think, jump right in. Yeah, this one is delightfully titled Ice Pick. Mm, so apropos. Yeah. So we open on Dr. Hanover. He's in the pharmacy of the hospital. And oops, he's an ether addict. <laughs> he hooks up the old timey ether and puts it up to his face, takes a big old inhale. Because back in the day, this was how you got high. As he does, the whole room turns red. So it's all very foreboding That's and scary. Cool. Yeah. And then we flash to... In my notes say, oh my god, it's Jeffrey from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I said, hey, Jeffrey, hey! (laughs) It is, and I should have looked up his name. I always do that. His name is Joseph Marcel. That is right. I knew that at one time. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I used to love Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and Jeffrey was the butler of the Banks family. But he is now playing an actor. Weird that he's playing an actor. <laughs> and he is talking very loudly to a room full of people about a play that he was performing where he forgot all his lines. And his name is Len Bronley. And he thought to himself, Len Bronley, you must do something. And I have in my notes, he's in Lucia because he forgot his lines. Is it Alzheimer's? Is he just getting old? What's the deal? That's what I said. Maybe some kind of dementia. Yeah. And then another very posh woman is there and she says, so what? No one cares why you're here. Maybe you're just growing old. I was a legend, a household name all over Europe before being this amazing soprano opera singer. And she said, I'm here because I have no choice. My melancholia has gotten the better of me. I wake up in strange places not knowing how I got there. And she read about Dr. Hanover in the paper and just knew she had to come there with the hopes that his procedure would help her. And next to her is this young blonde woman. And she gets up and she goes over because she sees a teenage boy sitting alone. And she's talking to him. She's like, what's your name? He says, Peter. She says, why are you here to see the doctor, if you don't mind me asking? He says, well, because my mom says I daydream. So everyone here is looking for answers for some kind of problem, and it's very 1950s glamour. 40s. With 40s. 40s. That, yes, that's right. I'm sorry. Yep, we knew that. 1947. That's correct. Yeah, so soon both ladies and the boy are sitting on the couch together, and Jeffrey, um, I don't, I, I didn't write down his name, I'm going to call him Jeffrey, I don't care. 
He's sitting in a chair and they're all together. And Dr. Hanover and Nurse Ratched walk in. Dr. Hanover is so excited about this procedure that all four of these patients are going to have today. Yay! Nurse Ratched hands out hospital gowns while Dr. Hanover explains that no worries, but this procedure is going to require just a little bit of sedation. I'll see you on the other side. And you know what popped right into my head. See you on the other side of the war. (laughs) Okay. Also, just for fun, there are going to be some government officials and a reporter observing today. The young woman stands up and she's like, whoa, wait a second. I was under the impression that my condition would remain confidential. And I'm also like, uh, is there no client? Right. Not back then, apparently. Confidentiality here. Uh, Mildred says, oh, you mean that you're a lesbian? That much is obvious by your facial structure or something to that effect. I I know. Excuse me, Mildred? What the fuck? I was like, she has gay face? Is that what you're saying? What? What? How is that a thing? Because she's a perfectly regular, beautiful woman. Young, blonde. I mean, what the heck? So, anyway, no time to wonder what that meant because Jeffrey is freaking out about the gown showing his entire backside. And Mildred is like, yeah, don't worry about that because no one is going to be looking at your butt. She lets them know that after the procedure, they might be woozy and there might be some dried blood at the site of the incision. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to sign up ASAP. And then they go into the opening montage, and yeah. it is so Ryan Murphy, an American horror story. Yes. I just said, opening credits are crazy. A young girl following a thread of, unra- of an unraveled sweater through the hospital. Water and blood and just craziness. She finally reaches Mildred, who is holding the other end, who cuts the thread with a pair of scissors. And then smears yeah. at the camera creepily. So, yeah. It's just like American Horror Story, where you're watching, and it's all these weird Weird images. And, and you're like, what just happened? Like, After you watch no. the whole series and then you go back and watch the yes. credits, you're like, oh, that makes sense. I get it. But anyway. So we'll see. Maybe maybe that'll happen. So a reporter and Gwendolyn Briggs, the governor's secretary, are at the hospital and they're um, waiting for the arrival of the head of the detention bureau and secretary to the director of state finance, who are coming to watch this procedure today. And they say, now for the main event. And they go into the operating theater, which is filled with all the patients on beds all at one time. So you got four mm-hmm. patients in the middle of the surgical room. And people just walking through the sterile environment. Walk right past the tables like, Doop, see you guys. I see your butt, Jeffrey. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so then they go and they sit and the nurses are up in the theater as well. Hanover goes into this big production. We're going to talk about the history of the lobotomy. Oh, shocker. Like, we all didn't know this was coming. Maybe you didn't if you don't know the story. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew it they was coming. Do, they do it. They <laughs> and he's going, well, it can be performed on all four in a quarter of an hour. It's such a revolutionary procedure. So he's saying juvenile distraction, mania, memory loss, and lesbianism. All these maladies can be subdued if not reversed. When he says lesbianism, the governor's secretary makes such a face. And I was like, ooh, she's got gay face. Quit calling her his secretary. Thank you very much. She is his campaign manager. I want to call her secretary until I talk about her later. Bye. Hanover says that by doing this procedure, you're able to insert something into the brain and surgically disrupt neurons in the brain's white matter. It sounds disgusting. So Mm -hmm. even under the lightest sedation, they will awaken as new people. And then he tells them to bear witness as I touch the mind. Nurse Bucket is assisting, and I have my notes. Fuck, this is gross. (laughs) He takes out a hand drill, 
and just starts drilling into Jeffrey's head. The nurses and the secretary, not Briggs, the secretary to the finance person, right. are getting sick. Jeffrey is moaning and his arms fling all around because he's not tied down because there's light sedation. So secretary, finance lady faints. And all these people are freaking out, but Ratchet is just in it to win it. She is intrigued, but she has to tend to Fainty McGee, so she doesn't get to watch the rest of it. Yeah, I also need to point out that the gloves he's wearing look like he's getting ready to birth a calf. I mean... Oh, has he got really they, high ones on? Yes, and they're like kind of baggy. I'm like, those aren't surgical gloves. Gross. And I also had my nose, oh, I just know that Jeffrey's going to start moving and it's going to freak me the heck out. And he did. Eek! So... Dr. Hanover removes the drill and he's like, done. Cut to that gorgeous turquoise car driving on the bridge. And we don't really know where we are right off the bat. We see a nun pushing a patient in a wheelchair around the super fancy courtyard. Ratchet walks out of this enormous building in a stunning black dress with a matching black coat. She's got a green collar, a green brooch on the jacket, green hat, green gloves, baller. She looks great. Mm-hmm. Million bucks. So the nun walks away and the patient is sitting alone in the wheelchair and Ratchet walks up and sits beside him. And it's the priest from the beginning scene who was hiding under the bed while Edmund killed everybody. That's why I have, I'm like, oh, it's hide under the bed, priest. Yep, there we go. Yeah. (laughs) He asks, who are you? She says, I'm a friend. She says she works with Dr. Hanover at Lucia State Hospital. She asks him if he knows Edmund Tolson. He says yes, and you can tell he's getting a little agitated about it. Agitated like nervous, not angry. And she says they are trying to get him fit to stand trial so he can pay for what he did to those priests and pay for what he did to you. Apparently, this priest had a nervous breakdown after the murders, you think? Who blames him? Who blames him, really? (laughs) Really? She says, hey, I'm Catholic, but when I read what he did, I lost faith. Help me rid the earth of this piece of shit, basically. And he says, okay, how can I help? She says, by talking to Dr. Hanover about what you saw. The nun comes back out and she starts eyeing Ratchet. So Ratchet starts pushing him around in the wheelchair, all the while saying that it's Dr. Hanover who's going to ultimately determine whether Edmund dies or he gets to live the rest of his life in luxury, whatever that means. I have in my notes extravagant luxury, and I've got parentheses. You see my clothes, priest? This is what the nurses wear. Talk about luxury. <laughs> I don't know. You're right. I mean, it is kind of a nice place. It's a nice place. He's like, did you forget I am a Christian? I don't believe in killing him, even if he is a killer. She's like, yeah, I get it. But he's a killer and he will kill again. So she begs him to tell Dr. Hanover the story. He says, well, I'm supposed to speak to the prosecutors in two weeks. But I'm like, I don't know if this guy's going to pull it together for talking to any prosecutors. He seems kind of out there. Anyway, she hands him something. I was like, what is that, like a Bible? I don't know. We'll find out in a second. She says she got it from her mother the day of her first communion. She says maybe it will help him to know there's another child of God out there praying for you. And it's a children's prayer book. Very on the nose. With the dedication, yours in Christ, Mildred. Uh, (laughs) Sure. I was like, so many questions. What's her game? Is she going to give him a lobotomy? What is happening? 
So work is coming along on the barn at the hospital, the barn that Hanover wanted built. That's why he wanted all this extra money. Dolly, the hospital trainee, says, why is he building a barn? It's her and Bucket, and they're talking in, like, their break room area. Mm -hmm. And she's like, is it to house patients? And Bucket's like, no, it's an actual barn with animals. I'm looking to get riding lessons, blur de blur Well, Mildred comes in for her lunch and opens the refrigerator and realizes her peach is missing, and she's immediately furious. Like, she's going to chop heads. She looks over and she sees the peach on Bucket's lunch table and with the force of a thousand gods says, that's my peach. And Bucket comes back with, well, I don't see your name on it. Like, WTF? What the, like, how is this, like, why do you just steal people's things? I don't understand. So there's this huge long argument about, I didn't see your name on it. Do you put your name on a peach? Would you use a felt tip pen? Would you carve your name into it? I saw it rolling around in the icebox, so it's mine. Dolly says it's like, you know, finding cash. It's kind of the same thing. And Mildred's like, no one is talking to you. Bucket takes a giant bite of the peach, and she says, now it's my peach in my mouth. Sorry. And Mildred says, you're not sorry, but you will be. Bucket, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And she says, are you deaf? She says, no. I'm just thinking of all the things I'm going to do about it. Very matter of fact. Very like, oh, she just dropped the mic. I was like, singe. What? And then Hanover comes in and says, the lobotomies are a failure. What? Huh? No way. Who would have thought? I cannot believe this. What in the world? Who knew that hand drills through the side of somebody's head would go badly? I don't know. I thought it was really well thought out, actually. (laughs) He says he will be demonstrating an alternate procedure immediately and expects them all to be there. End of scene. I like how he's just come up with this alternate procedure. Like, you know what? That didn't work. I got another plan. Five minutes later, Well, he took a big huff at ether and he was on to the next. Ah, That's true. That's true. Yeah, that peach scene is classic. I wrote down every line of it and then I was like, no, you just have to watch it. You just have to watch it. We could never do it justice. It's it's fantastic. So this new procedure is going to be done on cadavers. And he says, after seeing the reaction yesterday... Drilling through the sphenoid bone with a hand drill might be a little bit too graphic to be accepted by the general public. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, you don't say. The procedure that he has been using to get to the frontal lobe goes through one of the skull's thickest points. And he's like, hey, you know what? Actually, now we're going to go through one of the thinnest, the eye socket. Behold the transorbital lobotomy. Look, anyone can do it because all you need is an ice pick and a hammer. Lobotomies for everyone. And Bucket's like, wait a second. You're going to stick that in her eye. Oh, P.S. So we have these cadavers laying on the table and they are naked from the mid abdomen and the one that he's getting ready to work on is a woman and i was like imagine being cast for this role yeah where you have to lay dead on an or table topless while having an ice pick pretend driven into your face and i was like you know what no small roles only small actors the nice makeup of being cut in the whole autopsy yes the whole like autopsy y shape yeah good for her is all i have to say she probably got a good grand or whatever for day player 500 bucks i don't know for so probably and she's got nice yeah she did my boobs look like that all day long i'd lay on that table all day ice pick me (laughs) to death okay so anyway bucket's like you're gonna stick that in her eye and he says nope no above the eye that's totally different and five centimeters, just, a whole five centimeters. Yeah, just kind of just wedge it up there and just delicately tap on the ice pick with a hammer. And there's the 
crunch sound. And (laughs) it's so gross. And Bucket just pukes everywhere. And Mildred just looks over at her and says, oh, look, my peach. (laughs) Bucket is humiliated. But Dr. Hanover is livid. He asks her, are you a nurse or a lily-livered Hausfrau? Which is a German housewife, by the way. So he throws her and the candy striper nurse trainee out of the OR. And Ratchet's like, so you were saying. Keep going. I need to see the rest. She's all into it. So back to the show. He taps the ice pick into the skull. And he's like, you pivot it 40 degrees. And then you put it back to straight. And then you (laughs) tap it two centimeters more. And you can just hear all the sounds. Like whoever did the sound effects in this segment, kudos to you. And he pulls it out. He's like, bada bing, bada boom. You do the other side. They're cured. See, all done. No bleeding. I'm like, yeah, that's because they're post-autopsy. They're not going to bleed. Anyway, Ratchet starts clapping. Greatest show she has ever seen. Everyone leaves while Dr. Hanover takes off his gloves and gown. And he's wearing, like, honest to God, surgical gloves this time. Ratchet is helping him clean up. She's stroking his ego a little bit. And he says, you're not like those other women. She's like, yeah, I'm flattered. But let's talk about some of the other practices in this hospital. There's a patient, Edmund Tullison. I don't, I think that's how you say his name. I think. um... I I don't, have you, have you heard of him? (laughs) She says, other patients get to shower under supervision, but he is shackled hosed down and scrubbed like a circus animal and we get to see footage of this and it's pretty barbaric but he's scary so it's the 40s and he's crazy so she subtly adjusts his tie and walks out and he is like got the little heart bubbles you know emanating from him he's like "Ooh, that made me feel all all warm and gushy inside he was definitely like pants tent at that moment because he Mm -hmm. was into Mm -hmm. it So sure enough, we now see Ratchet entering this super secure area with a bar of soap. She hands it to Edmund and she says, you will now be able to shower like a normal person. But of course, he's got to make it weird and talk about soaping up his balls. And she says, again, I'm going to get you out of here, but you have to control yourself. Like, can you act normal for five seconds, Edmund? Jesus. He says, okay. And I'm like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I I don't think it's likely I don't think that he knows what acting normal even looks no, like. No, 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 no. So we are back to this little break room. Apparently nobody ever does shit at this hospital. I mean, it's so pretty. I don't know who's taking care of it, but the the nurses are always eating. And Mildred is eating alone and Miss Briggs enters and gets into the refrigerator. I'm like, why? Why? Why are you in their fridge? What are you looking for? I know. That was weird. I guess she put her lunch in there. Yeah. And she's, she says, well, something about you don't know me. Oh, yes, I do. Mildred. Yeah, and I know who you are. She says, well, I, I know this is weird, but I put a sack lunch in here. And Mildred says, yeah, Nurse Bucket ate it. <laughs> I was like... I'm not entirely sure if she did or not, or she's just throwing her under the bus because she's a bitch. That's exactly what I said. I was like, did she? Did it's she? hard to say. And she says, well, you're welcome to the other half of my, bo- what she calls it, a bologna, bologna, bologna. bologna sandwich. And she's like, um, no, thanks. Well, just she, Briggs is like me. No, gross. Thanks. And Mildred is, uh, it's unheard of. Why? It's perfectly nutritious. Briggs, I don't eat extruded meats. And I laugh really, really hard. <laughs> I said, I may never eat it again because I've never really thought about it in those terms. But <laughs> And she's like, that's disgusting. And then Mildred's like, are you kidding? Bologna is my favorite food. 
I'm serious. And I was like, okay, thanks. I, I'm, mm-hmm. That's a hot take. And Briggs is very, very interested in, Mil- in Mildred. She's like, are you from around here? She's like, no. And she's like, well, it's beautiful around here. She's like, I know. I stay at a beautiful place, but I never get to see it. My work is stressful, so I go to bed early. Gwendolyn, Briggs, whatever you want to call her. She says, how about you let me show you around? I'm driving into Monterey this afternoon. Would you like to join me? Mildred is like, hard no. Monterey is full of morphine addicts and longshoremen trying to sell their poetry. That seems like a very specific description. Who have you been hanging out with over there? Sounds kind of fun. Let's I know. Gwendolyn's like, are you sure? There's an oyster bar I've been dying to try. She's like, Ugh, oyster bar. What are you talking about? <laughs> but Mildred looks down at Gwendolyn's finger and sees a wedding ring and then asks if a gentleman would be accompanying her. And she says, no, just me. Next thing you know, they're in the car driving down the coast and sneaking glances at each other as Gwendolyn drives. So off to Monterey they go, Ratchet in her bright red overcoat. They are at the oyster bar talking about the lobotomy. And Briggs says she thinks it's too brutal. The governor is basing his, basically his whole campaign on this and they have to sell this to the public somehow. The oysters come, and so that talk is done, and Ratchet doesn't really know how to eat them, so Briggs shows her. She's like, a few drops of lemon, then you pry the oyster up with this fork, you put a little cocktail sauce if you're a boar who likes hookers and cigars. Boar being unrefined person, not boar like a boring person. And she likes hers with a little mignette, which is some kind of herb that I have never heard of in my life, but I looked it up because I wanted to know. So Ratchet is eating this demonstration. It's uh, a it's a seduction, it. is what it is. It's a straight up seduction. Oh yeah, the whole the whole thing is for yeah. play. And she says, then you let it slide into your mouth like you're making love to the ocean. And I'm like, I'll take your word for it. Never had. I have big letters. I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) And this part made me super uncomfortable because Ratchet was like, "Eh, I don't know. It's still alive when you eat it, and that's gross. And I honestly, I I did not know that. Are they? Is that true? Are they? I don't think so. I thought they were steamed. Freaking no. Either way, it's no because they're they're raw. That's that's like the thing, and that I don't know. Oh my god, (laughs) are they? I don't know. I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk about it. Gross. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So anyway, Briggs puts one up to her mouth and helps slide it in. And I, I, I now I'm all grossed out by this. And, and she dabs the corners of Ratchet's mouth. And they are definitely into each other. But back to the little botomy talk. Ratchet thinks that they are curing people of their impulses. Briggs, however, thinks they are playing God. And saying that one feeling is right and one is wrong. So they, I guess, agree to disagree, and Briggs suggests they go for a nightcap, and Ratchet agrees. So now they're just, like, driving into the woods. I've got question mark, question mark, question mark. And Mildred says, do you know where we're even going? They pull up in front of this tiny little cabin in the woods. What is this place? Oh, it's just a hole in the wall. It's an adventure, Mildred, remember? And so they walk in, and oops, it's a lesbian bar. It is a very lesbian bar. Mm -hmm. And Mildred's like, what? I'm sorry, I have to go. What is this place? Why did you bring me here? She's freaking out. And Gwendolyn's like, I thought you were one of us. And Mildred's like, what would have given you that impression? I was like, it's your gay face, Mildred. It's your gay face. (laughs) (laughs) And then she says, aren't you married? And Gwendolyn says, I'm sorry if I made an assumption. It seemed clear what was going on between us. Mildred says, I don't like what you were insinuating. I want to go home. And she's like, okay, well, I'll drive you home. She's like, nope, I'm going to get the bartender to call me a taxi. I have so many issues with this. 
because Gwendolyn is freaking out because honestly, this could destroy her entire life. Because, you know, if Mildred were to go and say something. But wouldn't you have gotten a little more certainty before you expose this entire group of women to someone that could out them all and destroy them all? You would think. Like, before before you take her on this little drive, wouldn't you have been, like, get a little handsy at the oyster bar before you did? I was just going to say, put a a hand on the leg, see where it goes. And to see if it was accepted before you, like, let's just jump on into the lesbian bar and fuck all the women that are there. (laughs) Go big or go home, oh, Gwendolyn, you. Go gay or go home. <laughs> and, okay, if she's such a good spotter of gay face, didn't she spot that? Why didn't she miss that on Gwendolyn's face? Come on. Yeah. Does she not have gay face? There's no such thing. Ooh, ooh, bust it. Her whole technique <sighs> out the window. I thought that was scientific <sighs> stuff right there. Yeah, it's about as scientific as a little body. Yeah, true. So we are back at the hospital and Edmund is shackled and being brought into Hanover's office. And Hanover says, take off his shackles and bring him in. And Edmund says, I don't want to miss dinner. When I get back, they'll say I already ate when I didn't. And it's not fair because everyone else already ate. And Edmund has wound up the crazy for this this whole meeting. He is on Mm -hmm. 7,000 instead of 100. He's even walking funny. He's like crouched over and shuffling. Yeah, he's got this tick. He's just, he's putting on the show. And he's like, let's pause here and just, um... I have a little discussion. Yeah, I know where this is going. <laughs> All right, so F- Finn went rock. I-, I need everybody right now. Just stop whatever you're doing. Go to our Facebook page right now. And I want you to tell us Team Tiffany or Team Kelly, okay? Now, I readily admit he looks crazy as all get out in this scene. There is nothing attractive about him in this scene. Nothing. But I want you to look at that picture I have put on our Facebook page and tell me that man is not at least a little bit attractive. Okay? Okay? But I also want you to look at his body of work and all the characters he's ever played. And he's just icky. He's icky. I I get that he's he's, he's an attractive human under normal circumstances. But I don't think he's ever had any normal circumstances. And probably in, no, you're right. and probably in real life he's lovely and wonderful and he's probably amazing to look at, but he creeps me out. I don't like anything he's done. I mean, he's a great actor, but I don't like looking at him because <laughs> he freaks me out. Like I'm sure he's attractive, but I do not like looking at him. Oh, his character of Dandy in Freak Show will forever be like the scariest. Like he was scarier than any freak ever because he was just a normal dude that was just a fucking nutso. So yeah. All right, continue. Okay, so he says to Hanover, I'm really warm because I'm nervous. The window has a migraine and it's giving me one too. Those ladies at the AMP were always trying to read my mind. That's why I killed them. They were trying to switch my account around behind my back. And Hanover's like, what? Who did you kill? He's like, those girls. They all live together. They were ballet dancers. I followed them inside. Hanover's like, no, you killed Priest, dude. He's like, no, no, no. That's why I got to talk to a dentist. I have a really bad radio mouth, real bad. And you're listening to these guys put a radio antenna on my back teeth. They listen to what I'm thinking. And they sell it and switch it all around. And Hanover's like, what? What the ever-loving fuck are you talking about? Because you sound real crazy right now. And it's a good thing you're in a crazy place. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, you exhibit multiple symptoms of schizophrenia. But it's actually so perfectly presented that it doesn't seem credible. Oh! Ouch. Yeah, so Hanover is starting to 
see behind the mask here. He says, let's sit somewhere more comfortable. And I'm thinking like in another country away (laughs) from this crazy person. But they move over to another part of the office that's closer to the bar. And Edmund asks for a cigarette. And Dr. Hanover is saying, I don't think that you're a schizophrenic. And also, I don't believe in the death penalty. At the same time, we see Edmund and the camera kind of zero in on a knife yep. on the bar. The camera work in this scene is really cool. On the screen, on one half of the screen, we see Edmund standing at the bar. And on the other half, we see Dr. Hanover. And he's facing directly towards the camera. And he's talking towards us, but obviously talking to Edmund. We lose that split screen for a second, and then we come back to it after Dr. Hanover also notices the knife sitting there. He's talking about how people can snap and do terrible things, but they're not actually crazy, and they're not beyond rehabilitation. Now the screen is split into three segments. So on one half, we have Edmund, and on the other half, at the top, we have Dr. Hanover, and at the bottom, we have the knife. Then we just have Dr. Hanover and Edmund, and as Hanover holds out a lighter and flick, it all becomes one screen, and he's lighting Edmund's cigarette. And it's so hard to describe that in words, but just to see it done. No, you did great. (laughs) It was just a really cool effect, and they didn't have to do it like that. They could have filmed it back, forth, back, forth. It was cool. All right. He tells Edmund, you have to start being honest. I need to know why you snapped. And Edmund snaps back into his I'm crazy routine. And Hanover calls for the guard. He's like, just take him out. But as he leaves, he says, think about what I said. And then I have, wait, is the knife gone? Because they kind of flash back to that pan on the bar where they were cutting, because the knife was there because they were cutting lemons and oranges for drinks. Right. And they kind of flash back over there. The knife wasn't there. And I think, and it was very, very much the same thing they did with the priests in the beginning, that the knife was there and then it was gone. So it makes me wonder if Edmund has a knife on him now as he's leaving this room that he can now have in his cell that will come back later at some point. But Good catch. Yeah, I, I noticed that, but I'm not entirely sure that I'm correct. But that's what I thought. Now Mildred is back to work because she's got to stop screwing around going on these trips. And <laughs> she's talking to Peter, the young boy that had the lobotomy. And she says, are you experiencing any discomfort, any pain? And he says, no, ma'am. And she says, how about the stuff that, that brought you in here? How about scattered thoughts, distraction? And he says, I don't have any thoughts at all. And I was like, oh, that's not Oh, that's not good. That's not good. So then Mildred is walking down the hall and someone is wailing in the distance. Let me tell you what Netflix captions said. Operatic-like singing. Oh, I missed that. (laughs) So she opens the door and it's the opera lady. And what I can assume is she's being gone down on by the lesbian lady. Mm -hmm. I have, I think, question mark, because this is the most awkward thing I have ever seen. Because the lesbian lady is fully clothed, hat and everything, is from what I could see. Yes. She is bent down like she's looking under a car. <laughs> and opera lady is kind of sitting on the edge of a bed, and she's got a big, long, like, hospital gown on. And the lesbian lady is just holding up the bottom of her gown. Like, she's looking at her shins, is what it looked like. And they just start screaming, get out! Um, what was exactly... <laughs> happening in this room i think she was changing her oil i I think that's what was happening (laughs) 
So Mildred's back in the damn break room because that bitch lives in there, apparently. They don't work at work. (laughs) They don't. This is the nicest place ever and nobody ever does any damn work. And she's got another peach and she's taking a big old healthy bite. She's having a good old time with this peach. And Bucket comes in and says, Nurse Ratchet, you have a personal call. And she's like, well, who is it? She's like, I don't know. I'm not your secretary. (laughs) So Ratchet goes out and she's on the phone and somebody says, I got your flowers. They really brighten up the room. She's like, oh, Father Andrews, also known as under the bed priest. Mm -hmm. And he says, your faith is really inspiring to me. I'll tell you my story. That monster needs to be punished. He must be put away forever. And then we cut to the turquoise cars driving and we see a tape recorder or back in those days recorder being started and they're like in a hotel room or there's some there's somewhere are they in her room like her motel room that would seem like weird that would be what's gonna happen yeah because that would be a dumb place i think she drove somewhere with him but okay but she's telling him that she's making this recording and dr hanover will be the only one with the access to this information And she says, tell me what you remember, Father. Did you see his face? Edmund Tullison. Yeah, she's very interested to know if Father Andrews can identify Edmund. And as they are talking, she's pouring a cup of tea and she puts something into it with a medicine dropper. Like, I kind of wonder if this is her room because so many things are set up. You know what I mean? Maybe. I don't. She's crafty, though, so I don't know. And she's driving all the goddamn time. True. She's saying that she hasn't seen much of this coast, but she drives everywhere. And we know she doesn't actually work, so. Truth. (laughs) So she hands him the cup to calm his nerves, quote unquote. And he says from under the bed, he couldn't see his face. He's talking and he's just holding the cup. He's not drinking yet. Anyways, he went outside to try to get help after Edmund had left. And he saw him outside smoking and staring at him. And Mildred is crying, but she tells him, drink your tea, finish your tea, gulp it all down. And I'm like, bye-bye, father. Because he Mm -hmm. starts to get a little woozy, says he doesn't feel well. And he stands up and she helps him over to the bed and she says, I'm going to relieve that suffering. In come the ice pick and hammer. And all of a sudden his arms are strapped to the bed and there's a gag in his mouth. And she says, you see, Father, Edmund Tolson is my brother. He wasn't born a monster. Somebody turned him into one. And then she says, God bless you, Father. And the camera is like looking up at her from his point of view. She's got the ice pick and the hammer. And my Netflix says wet thud. And I was like, oh, oh, God. Mine said wet smack. Oh, God, that's even worse. (laughs) Jeez. So gross. (laughs) So gross. So then we are back at the convent rest area for, it's not a convent. It's wherever this priest has been, been taking care of, this nervous breakdown. I don't know, whatever they call it. I couldn't really figure out, like, what a sanitarium of, a of some sort it's maybe like just for priests and uh, or rest home for priests maybe yeah, the ones that get maybe. too old sure so we hear these this nurse this nurse this nun is talking to these attorneys and she says he took a weekend trip with a young woman a few weeks ago and since then he hasn't been himself he's more serene the night terrors have stopped and he's put on weight so you know that's good 
And so the prosecutor attorney guys come up and they say, Father Andrews, we need you to fill out an affidavit. And they turn his little wheelchair around and Father Andrews is a vegetable. There's nothing there behind the eyes anymore. He's just there. So she has successfully quieted him so he cannot give her brother away. You can't testify against somebody if you ain't got a brain or a big giant hole in your brain. Yeah, so I think he was the only surviving witness, so good job, Mildred. You did that damn thing. Yippers. Yeah, so that's the end of episode two. And yeah, a lot of stuff happening in this episode. Do you know what the next one is called? I forgot to look that up. Angel of Mercy. Angel of Mercy. Huh. And just a quick quick tip, number four is Angel of Mercy part two. Ooh. <gasps> we ought to try to do that one as a double as thing. a double thing. Yeah. We'll see. Any closing thoughts from you, Tiffany? I'm kind of a little gay for Sarah Paulson, so oh, I mean I love her. I just she's She is oh, so gosh, pretty. She's so gorgeous and she's her face is just so perfect, and I love her hair. Her this. hair in this is oh, so good. so good. And it's all wigs. It's all wigs. Really? Wow. Yeah, I saw um, her Instagram. Like, they were, she was putting on, like, when she was with the, the dude when they were doing the fake marriage fight, that's all a wig. She was putting that on, hmm. on, like, uh, getting ready for the day kind of deal. And, okay. But it's so pretty. I love it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in and... Please, please, please rate and review us on Apple iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Those are the two things you can do to get our name out there. And, okay, everybody, all three of you gather around. (laughs) (laughs) Someone send an email because I can't tell you how disappointing it is to check that email account 5,000 times a day and it's always just spam. So anyway, you guys know where we are and what we want you to do. So just do it. Like, what are you just waiting for? Just do it for? already. Everybody Gosh, else is doing it. I know. I mean, nobody else I mean, is nobody's doing, it doing it, but don't you want to be the first? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we'll talk in your area next time. More Ratchet coming your way soon. Bye. Bye. Ba-na-na-na. Ba-na-na-na. All right, so I printed out my notes this time. Oh. So you're going to be super loud, flippy-flappy with papers. I'm going to try not to be flippy, flippy-flappy with the papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like, just like that. Uh, I see, I see how it is. And he's going, well, it can be performed on all four suspects in a quarter of an hour. It's such a revolutionary procedure. You just called them suspects? Why did I call them suspects? I don't know why you called them suspects. Oh. People, uh, they're just depressed people. You don't know their lives. They might have done bad things. Jeffrey looks <laughs> That's like he could have been up to some nonsense hey, since he was in Bel Edmund's there, so okay. All right. <laughs> well, Finn, I think you're adorable, and I'm going to go follow you on Instagram right now. The podcast, I mean, is going to follow you on Instagram. We're going to become best friends. <laughs>